right, good evening, afternoon, morning, I guess, depending what time you're uh, listening to the show. Welcome to the 615 Collector. We are back, and today's Friday, September 23rd. It's 2022, and fall is finally, definitely in the air. It's an absolutely gorgeous day here in now just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Doug Turner. My partner here is Brandon Turner. We are your host of this podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports and sports cards. Yeah, uh, welcome everybody. And just to remind everybody at the top that we do not take sponsorships or get paid by anybody that we talk about on our show, which is intentional, so you can rest assured the information we provide is unbiased and not financially motivated. What do you think? It's been been unbelievable we had a hot streak for a while there that was like ridiculous it's gonna be hot again this weekend so i don't know why i thought it was supposed to stay like fall like weather Eh, no it's like actually a little chill in the morning it's the 70s lows in the 50s it's been just beautiful i should say yeah it's good it's gonna be hot don't nobody come here it's gonna be too hot you don't want to come here it's already too many people here it's uh (laughs) it's very varied stay away no i'm kidding uh all right well do you want to give the rundown on the show today and then we can jump in yeah go for it well i think we're just gonna start with um well just like a couple of like housekeeping stuff with some retirements that we're gonna talk about the best athletes that wore the jersey number of our show number which is 51 today um we'll catch you up on all the latest hobby news in the halftime report and then in film study i think we've got wnba nfl and like a little bit of nba to talk about for the upcoming season yeah and a little bit of baseball too yes and we've got in there yeah, the, uh, we wrapped up our four-part owner series, interview series. That was fun. Had a ton of good feedback on that. In fact, all four of those are in our top ten all-time shows, and two of them are the two top listened-to shows that we've had of all time. So had really a lot of success with that. Really happy that listeners enjoyed that. I know we enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun interviewing those guys. So we'll have to maybe, like we talked about before, maybe organize another one of those at some point in the not too distant future. But, and I don't, I was, I was planning on giving an update on our sport card portfolio, but I didn't have a chance to put all the data together, so I don't have that. So I'll have to, I'll put it together over the weekend and just maybe make a social media post on how that's doing. I haven't looked at it yet, so I don't know how how we're doing there. All right. But you did say retirement. Tis the season for retirement announcements. I think we are talked about last time that Roger Federer yeah, made we, his we announcement. This, yes. Yeah. So, but I did want to touch on his card values real quick. You have seen a little bit of an uptick over the last month, give or take, in his in the value of his cards. If I look at his card ladder index in the last month, it's up thirty percent, a little better than thirty percent. Now, if you pan that out to a year. It's down, uh, down about 17%. But it was in a kind of a long-term, you know, for the last couple, because last, well, last couple years, yeah, still down. It was in a long-term kind of decline a little bit after having a big peak in early 2021. But then after he announced his retirement, you've seen a little bit of a pick back up in some of the values of his cards. And as with anything, as we talk about those card ladder indexes, remember they're price-weighted. It can be a little... Yeah, fuzzy when you're kind of looking at some of the detail but I'll pull up like his 2003 net pro base in a PSA 10 as an example and that one has actually seen a considerable move higher it, it was selling for around $80 give or take and the last sale was $195 
And so the last three sales, it was 109 and then went to 125 and then the last one of 195. So it's more than doubled in the last three sales over what it was selling for in the three sales before that. So again, you kind of have to look at it sort of card by card to really better understand what's going on. If I pull up the what's called the Elite 2000 series, which is just a it's serial number to, to 2000, that card hasn't, it, I, well, I guess in a PSA 10, it, it is up a, a fair amount over the last month. Uh, it was, let's see, it had a low sale of $530 back in August. Let me pan out a little more just to see. So yeah, it was selling for between, let's call it $600 and $800 back in the summer. And now recent sales have been upwards in the $1,000 to $1,200 range. So you know, you've seen again. Depend, you got to have to pick your spots. Look at the different cards, but you've seen a nice little uptick in the value of his stuff after his retirement. And then we did get another retirement announcement in hockey this time, and it was PK Subban. Yes, did my best impression there. He was a Nashville Predator for a while. Played 13 seasons in the NHL. Uh, started off with Montreal. I think he was there for I want to say seven seasons. I could be wrong about that. Then went to the Predators for several years. Finished up his career with the New Jersey uh, Devils and uh, registered a total of 467 points in 834 games. He did win the Norris Trophy, which is the uh, award for the league's top defenseman. That was in the 2012-2013 season. He was drafted in the second round by Montreal in 2007. He was the 43rd overall pick. He made his NHL debut in 2010. And so if you look, and I looked at his, he has a card ladder index, and that card ladder index is actually over the last three months, it is up. And it had a noticeable uptick just about what this was within the last week. And so I think it probably coincided with his retirement announcement. And if you go look at the cards, I'm going to, again, for hockey, I always use the young guns as sort of the, the flagship. But if I pull up his young guns, which would have been his rookie, that's in the 2010 upper deck set. In a PSA 10, there's only a pop of 160 of those right now. But the last sale, which was just from a couple days ago, was a little over $113. And that compares to the previous sale was just $52. So a doubling. But again, only two sales to go for, to, to, you know, that we're looking at there. So let me, let me pan out. If I pan out over the last year, yeah, this card was selling for around 50 to 60 bucks. Had a little bit of an uptick in the spring of this year to about 120 came back down into that 50 to 60 dollar range and then like i said last sale in 113 dollars so definitely a little bit of an uptick as a result of his retirement announcement yep all right so let's just go ahead and do jersey numbers now okay um it is 51 today yeah there's there's actually some really big names yes in 51 this was a good number I wasn't sure when I was first going into it. I mean, I knew of a couple of the names that, that would be big, but I wasn't sure how many there was going to be. And as I was digging into it more, I was like, actually, there's quite a few names here. So we start off right away with Dick Butkus. He's um, legendary football in the Hall of Fame, played nine years, all with Chicago. And I think a, a knee injury, I want to say, I think I have it in here, yeah, 1970, ultimately I think shortened his career he tired three years after that injury but he was an absolute stud his rookie card by the way is in the 1966 philadelphia set same set that has gail Sayers' uh rookie card in it and i also like his he's got a 1969 tops card 
that I think is cool. Then he's also got that 1973 Topps card. That was his last year in the league, but his, his actual last card for his playing years or as a player was 1974 Topps. And by the way, that Philadelphia set, those are cool sets, and people may not know. So as were, were a lot of these companies in the sports card space, Philadelphia was a gum company, candy making gum, and they got the NFL license. They got it from Topps in 60. So Topps had it from, I want to say it was 56 to 63, and then Philadelphia got it in 64, and they held that license from 64 to 67 and produced cards of NFL players. Tops maintained or maybe went out and got, I can't remember if they had it already or had to go out and get it, but they got the AFL license in 64, so they produced AFL cards, which was the American Football League. Remember, this is prior to the merger of those two leagues. And Philadelphia did the NFL for those, what, three, four, four years, I guess, 64 to 67. So, yeah, and Dick Buckus is in that 66. And to give you an idea, his rookie card in there, it's a decent value. So even in a sort of mid-grade, I'm looking at... What is this? Let's look at a PSA 6. Um, so in a PSA 6, it has a pop count of about 300, and the last sale was $625. And if you look at a PSA 7, that takes you up to just shy of $1,000, and then, you know, up it goes from there. So, you know, that's one of those where you just kind of go after the card that you can afford. All right, and then who else we had? And you have Ken Norton Jr. Yeah, Ken Norton Jr., another big linebacker. Uh, played for many years with Dallas and then went to the 49ers. He was actually, I believe, I didn't have it in the notes because I just said he won three, but I think he was the first player to have won three consecutive Super Bowls. But he didn't do it with the same team. He had he, The two, first two were with Dallas, and then the third one was when he was with San Francisco. And he became a coach after he retired as a player. His rookie cards are in the 1990 sets, so kind of in that junk wax era. And I do like the – he's got a Fleer update that I think is kind of a cool card. All right, and then you have Jessica Breland. Yeah. Do you, are, do you know Jessica Breland? I do. I didn't, know, I didn't know the story, though. Yeah, she's uh, was in the – or still is. Is she still in – she's still in WNBA, I'm pretty right? sure, yeah. Yeah, still playing, I believe, in the WNBA. Interesting story on her. So she sat out a season in college because she was battling cancer. She ended up becoming a second-round pick, number 13 overall in 2011 by the Lynx. Who were the Lynx? Is that um, Minnesota? Minnesota, that's what I was thinking. Uh, She got traded, though, on draft day to the Liberty, ended up getting cut by the Liberty, picked up by Connecticut, appeared in just 13 games as a rookie, and then didn't play in the next season. Pretty much, I think, got let go, didn't play. She was back in the league, though, the next year with Indiana. Uh, she got waived by Indiana near the end of that season, came back the next year with Chicago, and then ultimately became an all-star. And she's put together a heck of a career since then with nearly 2,000 points, over 15,000 rebounds, nearly 400 1500. assists. 1,500, sorry, yeah. What did I say, 15,000? Yeah. Yeah, 1,500 rebounds, nearly 400 assists, almost 400 blocks, and over 200 steals so man what a story of persistence you know don't make it the first time keep trying Mm -hmm. Uh, she got what what do we say drafted in 2011 and it really wasn't until 2014 three years struggling this is a very typical story for a WNBA player though there's so few roster spots in the league there's all-stars that are not on teams right now yeah well I think it's a cool story and so it's uh that's a, a very cool one and then in baseball 
very pitcher-heavy number 51 was. You can start off with Trevor Hoffman, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Played mostly for the Padres. Did have a few stints with a couple other teams like Marlins and Brewers. Second all-time on the saves list in baseball with 601. He was actually the leader until Mariano Rivera with the Yankees surpassed him. But uh, he's been he's been a popular one in the hobby. His rookie cards in the 1992 sets. He's got a Bowman one that's fairly popular. Then you've got another pitcher, Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer. He played mostly with Seattle. Also had some years with Arizona. Maybe a couple brief stints with other teams. But his he was a stud. Racked up. He's second all time behind the great Nolan Ryan for strikeouts. He racked up 4,875 strikeouts during his career. Which, by the way, Nolan Ryan had five thousand seven hundred fourteen, so he was still, what, not almost eight nine hundred shy of mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan, but second all time and by a pretty wide margin. His rookie cards in the nineteen eighty nine sets, again that junk wax era. Popular one is the upper deck one, probably his. I think that's his most graded card. It's the same set that contains the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie, so that's one to look for. And then what else? Willie McGee. Uh, Willie McGee. He was not a pitcher. But played, he played 18 years with St. Louis, or most of it was St. Louis. He might have been with one or two other teams for a brief while. But he was the MVP of the league in 1985, won the World Series with the Cardinals in 82, played with uh, Ozzie Smith. I think Vince Coleman ultimately became part of that team. Lonnie Smith was on that. That was a good team. And his rookie cards actually in the 19, even though he won the World Series in 82, his rookie cards actually in the 1983 sets. And get this, he had a card in the Nashville Sounds team set, 1981. Nice. Which, fun fact about that set, there's also a Don Mattingly card in that set that's pretty popular. So Willie McGee and Don Mattingly in Nashville Sounds team-issued set. That one's fun. I have the Don Mattingly one. I don't know if I have Willie McGee, but if I don't, I think I might go out and grab that one now because I I think that's kind of a fun set from 1981. And then another big name, Ichiro. Yeah, Ichiro. Is it it Suzuki? Suzuki, yeah. I misspelled it in the notes I, I don't thought. know what happened there why I did that but yeah it's Suzuki he uh his he came into the league with a bang he was 27 because you know he had been playing in Japan 27 years old when he came into the league but still ended up with a what 19 year career played till the age of 45 but in his rookie season he got the AL MVP one rookie of the year oh by the way Pujols was a rookie that year too was a 10-time gold glove winner 10-time all-star over 3,000 hits most of his career with Seattle. Had better than a 300 batting average for his career. I mean, just crazy. He's not eligible yet for the Hall of Fame. Will be in, I think, 2025. And his rookie cards, like I said, he came in with Pujols or in that 2001 set. Uh, the, uh, the tops, the tops chrome, or the tops chrome traded, I should say. Uh, he's got a, the, there's a cool card in that traded, that chrome traded with both Pujols and Ichiro. It's a dual person card with those two on it very cool very popular one uh bernie williams yep bernie williams not a pitcher but played for his entire career 17 years with the new york yankees that's that's kind of rare yeah spend your whole career with one team yeah had over 2300 hits a career average of 297 nearly 300 home runs his rookie cards are in the 1990 sets the bowman and tops ones are pretty popular for him he was another big one no real big names in the NBA or the hockey that You're I can gonna find. Get, there's not going to be any names in the NBA. In some of these, yeah. It's probably just a random because one here and there. Like, Reggie King no would have like the only one I could come up with in the NBA, but that's not yeah. really a big name. In hockey, maybe Brian Campbell. 
but again, not really a big name. Now, well, in the NFL, you did have someone like John Mobley. For I'll throw that one out there for Broncos fans. Most people probably won't remember, but John Mobley was a good linebacker for the Broncos for several years. A um, couple of pitchers, maybe not quite as big as you know the ones Randy Johnson and Trevor Hoffman. But you had like Jonathan Broxton or Terry Forster, but you know nothing. Yeah, not not a whole lot else. But some big names on this list. Yeah. So who do you, who would be your pick to be um, the, the top one? Uh, Suzuki probably. Yeah, Ichiro. I like him. Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one. I you know to me it's got to be either Buckus. If you're gonna go Ichiro, which I would agree with, I'll I'll go Buckus. So we get the two of them get a vote. I think right. uh, Dick Buckus. He was uh, he was a feared feared linebacker, uh, sort of classic football player, and uh, so yeah. All right, so one vote for Ichiro, one vote for Dick Buckus. All right. There you go. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the halftime report. All right, so the supposedly last touchdown pass football from Tom Brady sold at Leyland's auction for $129,658. It was previously purchased at a Leyland's auction for... Leyland's. Oh, yeah, sorry, Leyland's auction for $518,628 when it was thought to be his last touchdown pass ball. That sale was voided after he unretired, so the original owner put it back on the auction block. Got a lot less this time. Yeah, he did. Um, But still a lot. No word on whether it's sold to the same person that tried to buy it the first time. Um, I think... A Florida real estate broker. Yeah, said, there, yeah, yeah. There was a Florida real estate broker that bid on it. He won that one the first time for the five hundred eighteen six twenty eight. And when they voided the sale, he said if it came back on the block, he would bid on it again. So I don't know if he did, but if he did, he got it for what almost four hundred thousand less. Yeah. Well. So. <laughs> still not like I don't know why I still don't know why you'd pay that much for that. It's not his actual. I don't know. Last. Yeah. yeah. It's no longer his last touchdown football. But now it's got a story, though, to it. It's the one before he retired and then unretired. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Collectible received a buyout offer. for They had a Wilt Chamberlain jersey and uniform from his rookie season. That jersey came to market in May of last year with an initial public offering value of $1.275 million. The owner had retained 30% equity in it. The buyout offer was for $3 million. And the jersey was trading at just shy of two and a half million prior to the offer. However, the offer was kind of surprisingly, I think, rejected by shareholders. So there's been two offers on this jersey now since it came public. There was an offer last year for two million that got rejected. Now there's been an offer for three million that got rejected. Remember, this came to market at one point two seven five million. And last I checked, I think it was yesterday, so I, this isn't updated information. But that jersey was selling for it had been bid up over three million. I think it was like three point one five or something like yeah. that million is what it was trading for on collectible. Kind of interesting. All right, and then there was the Topps Chrome issue um, where some of the uh, rookie SP cards didn't actually make it into the hobby boxes. Yeah. Uh, the rookies were uh, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt Jr., Spencer Torkelson, 
C.J. Abrams and uh, Hunter Green. Yeah, and so Topps released a statement for anyone. A lot of this has been all the buzz in the hobby because when Topps Chrome came out, they had these. The SP just means stands for short print, so they were chase cards, right? They were going to be rare, hard to find, so everyone was chasing them. They're of these, you know, these big rookie, big five rookies. Everyone's going after them. Well, as everyone was open, you know, buying hobby box and opening them, there were breaks going on, all that kind of stuff. You know, everything's on social media now. Well, no one was pulling them. And everyone's like, what are the odds? Like, someone's got to have at least pulled one of these. And so people started, you know, there started to be some rumor and whisper going around about, hey, did, are they, they're not in the set. And then sure enough, Tops came out and was like, yeah, we made a mistake. They're not actually in these boxes. And so it was kind of a whole ordeal. And so they, they said, so here's Tops' statement. They said, as soon as we became aware um, of the questions around this, we immediately reached out to the manufacturer. And we now understand that, the, that these short print cards of these five rookies did not get included in the hobby boxes. And so um, they are supposed to be part of the set, but they didn't get included. So anyway, so what now Tops is gonna do is for anyone that bought this product, whether it's through your local shop, online, directly from them, through a breaker, whatever it is, they were gonna provide some additional, what they call silver packs, some two card silver packs. Uh, and then they were going to basically randomly insert these short print parallels into those packs. Well, then they came out, I think this was from yesterday, kind of gave a little more details on how, because everyone had questions about how you're going to do these packs. Like, how do you know who to send them to, who gets them, all that kind of stuff, especially if you're in breaks. And right. anyway, so now they said, here's, here's additional details. They said that... Uh, the packs they're going to issue would contain four cards now, not two. They'd be a mix of 2022 Chrome base cards along with some inserts and quote-unquote other surprises. So now you know they're going to make those packs are going to be worth something, right? Because you know yeah. there's going to be some nice cards in there because they're going to try to make it up, right? So people are going to get those packs. Probably worth like maybe buying a hobby box just to try to get the silver pack and get you know some some good cards in there. Uh, but they said those special packs will be in collectors' hands in less than two weeks. They said they're working with every distribution channel of the product to try to ensure that the packs get properly distributed through the original sellers. Um, shipments are going to start on September 30th. And then they said that those short print rookies were also included in the hobby light boxes that are now being sold um, by Tops. And so I, so I guess the hobby light boxes, they're actually in there. So you, you don't, they didn't have to issue additional packs on that. But anyone um, that purchased their product that doesn't have those cards will get one of these silver packs. And they clarified that... Uh, what the what's excluded from that are the value boxes the blasters um, generally those are like retail that you would get at places like target or walmart places like that but they also had them directly on top's website those do not have um, or should not have had these short prints in them and to begin with and so anyone that bought those will not get the silver packs but it's going to be a little bit of a cluster for them to try, you know, because they're going to get the packs out, obviously, to card shops and breakers and everything else. But then it's going to be up to those shops and breakers and everybody to have to figure yeah, out how they distribute those ultimately to the people that bought them. That's kind of complicated. Yeah. And if you're in a break, you know, there could be, who knows, right? There could be 30 people in a break that did a case. I don't know how many boxes are in a case. But let's say there's six or eight boxes. So you get six or eight packs, but now you got 30 people. How are you going to do that? I guess you break the packs, and then if it was like a pick-your-team, you give any players from those teams and pull them that way. It, it's going to be a bit of a mess. And I know people were 
kind of upset and talking about it. There's another rumor. I won't get into it now because I didn't have enough information on it, but there was a rumor about some a similar situation happening with one of the uh, recent Panini releases, but no word from Panini on that yet. So we'll see how that all plays out. But, yeah, there you go. That was um, kind of the, the scuttlebutt, as we like to, or the controversy that we like to say in the hobby of this past week. Right. Should we touch on a card release? Yeah, one quick card release. Um, the 2021 of 22 um, upper deck artifacts hockey it's going to be eight packs per box four cards per pack and you can expect one rookie redemption or a clear-cut acetate four serial numbered cards three autographs or relic or rm bounty cards per box they are selling at about 140 dollars online and at uh, local card shops yeah those bounty cards are actually kind of interesting is they're part of upper deck has these bounty programs they do with some of their different sets and with this one so if you get those bounty cards they're they have a scratch off code on the back that you can enter on upper decks website but they tell you to not scratch off the code until you've completed the set get all the cards because um, it won't really do anything for you until you do once you complete it though you enter all those cards and i don't have do i have how many i think there's like I want to say 40 cards or maybe 48 cards. I could be wrong about that, but in terms of the number of cards that are in the set, uh, which it's, it's that specific insert set, not the whole artifacts hockey set. But you enter those codes, and then if you and then once you complete the set, and then you're going to get two rookie bounty achievement cards. Both are featuring the number one overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft, which is Alexi Lafreniere. And you'll get one in his Team Canada jersey, one in his New York Rangers jersey. But then time's also of the essence because the ones that do this the fastest, there's kind of a whole tier of schedule. And so people that do that fastest will get some extra bonus cards with you know potential autograph cards of players like Kale McCarr or Bobby Orr, stuff like that. So if you want to learn more about it, you can go Upper Deck's blog. It's just www.upperdeckblog.com to kind of learn more about how that program works and what you can get. But, you know, that's probably going to be some probably going to be difficult to complete that set, but kind of a fun little chase to go after and and those boxes aren't terribly expensive, won't break the bank on you, so. Yeah. All right, some right. record sales from Card Ladder. Yes, yeah. So, some some fairly relevant ones here. Given the home run chases Lord, going on in quite the name in baseball, so well, it's <laughs> that's so wordy. <laughs> not really. So think about it. So this is first of all, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's let's like ten words. What do you mean? Okay, first of all, let's go through it. So it's 2013 Bowman Chrome, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the what they call the draft picks and prospects. So there's mm-hmm. a difference between like you know this this would be like the almost like the first Bowman. Think of it that way. And then this is of Aaron Judge. It's a it's a parallel. It's so it's, this is the Black Wave parallel, which is numbered to fifty, and it's autographed, and it was graded a PSA ten, and it sold for thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand. I love how you like slowed that down. You're like, wait, no, it's not actually that complicated. It's and you not. actually found a way to make it more complicated than no. if you just read it out. <laughs> you think so? Yes. I, it's not that complicated. It's just the 2013 Bowman Chrome drafts picks and prospects. Aaron Judge, autograph card, black wave parallel number to fifty. There it is. In a PSA ten. Hey, 30,000. Several Aaron Judge cards are setting records. And when I look at his card ladder index, it is up in the last three months 82%. Again, you kind of have to look at that's driven, frankly, by this card. There's a bunch of versions of this card. Like I said, this was the Black Wave parallel. 
there's a there's a black refractor there's a just a regular refractor kind of a lot of different versions but they are all setting records like this black refractor sold for thirty three thousand six hundred dollars uh, just a day or two ago that one's numbered to 35 that was in a bgs uh, nine and a half on the uh, card 10 on the auto and so anyway there won't go through all these but there's been a lot of aaron judge cards setting records obviously with what he's doing my recommendation on this is don't i wouldn't chase these you know i, I think history has proven that when you see these kinds of spikes they tend to not sustain and so if you want to pick up some aaron judge stuff i'd probably wait till the season's over maybe during the winter um, off season if his stuff comes down you know pick your spots at that point but i certainly wouldn't chase it here but you know again depends on what you're i mean maybe you know hey teach his own right you do do what you want to do but purely from a financial perspective i think i think could be wrong but i think you get an opportunity to maybe pick some of this stuff up for a little lower prices you know six months from now but we'll see uh, a couple other ones. So now related to this, right? 19. So you, you can see where all this gets related. A 1958 tops Roger Maris. That's Roger Maris's rookie card, and obviously that's the record he's chasing, right? Roger Maris has the American League single season record at 61. Some people would say it's just the baseball record, MLB's record at 61, because there's asterisks by those other players. But in a PSA eight and a half. It sold for a record $5,692 via memory lane. Now think about that for a minute. Now granted, it's not autographed. It's not serial numbered. But still, the guy that owns the record the judge is going after has a high-grade card of his sell for 56, just shy of $5,700, and then judge's card goes for thirty grand. And then uh, we, Pujols obviously is, is going for the home run uh, record well he's he's going for 700 he's fourth all time at 698 he's going for 700 one of his this is i love this card i'd love to get one of these but they're pricey i don't have one it's a 2001 sp authentic uh chirography chiro- chirography yeah i was like i don't even know what i've never even heard that <laughs> easy word what easy that for mean? me to say easy to, for me to say yeah it and it's albert pools it's a psa 9 it sold for $2,850 via eBay. And then some other storylines that make sense, right? So 2018 Panini Josh Allen, who's having a great season. We'll talk about him later. Kaboom in an SGC 9.5 sold for a record $5,000. Uh, there was a 2001 Bowman Chrome Albert Pujols. This was the autograph card. It's a refractor, so it was serial number to 500. In a PSA 7 sold for $12,101 via eBay. And then a couple ones, it looks like some people getting ready for basketball. So a 2019 Panini Prism Jordan Poole. This was the orange parallel, so serial number to 49. And a PSA 10 sold for $3,360 via PWCC. And then lastly, there was a nice to see, we had another 57 tops Bill Russell. This one was an SGC4 and sold for record $10,500 via Robert Edwards auctions. So there you go. Some All right. Record sales from Card Ladder. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the half report. So let's go ahead and go into our film study. All right. Where do we want to start? You want to start WNBA? Uh, sure. Um, so the WNBA season's now wrapped up. As we expected, Aces did win the title. You um, called it. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody called it. Three to one over the Connecticut Sun. Um, Chelsea Gray led all scorers at 20. 
Asia Wilson grabbed four. These are averages. Oh, no, this is just for game four. Yep. Um, Asia Wilson had 14 rebounds in that game. 78-71 victory to become the champions in Connecticut. It's the first major title for any sports team in Las Vegas. Yep. Um, and first title in franchise history for the, for the Aces, obviously. Um, yeah, Becky Hammond was the coach for the Aces, so big, big uh, victory for her. That was her first year with them, right? Yes. Yeah, she got. She was also named Coach of the Year, which that was before the finals mm-hmm. that she got that award. And but. then Chelsea Gray was the Finals MVP too. Nice. Uh, not surprising at all. Yeah. So there you go. Congrats to them. Some off-season headlines to watch. I think uh, if you follow, if you want to follow the NBA, is the MVP runner-up and scoring champion Brianna Stewart. Or she played for Seattle, and she went there to be with uh, Sue Bird in her last season. Well, she's going to be a free agent, and as I understand it, she has acknowledged or confirmed that either her or her agent has met with the New York Liberty. So that would be kind of interesting if she ends up going to New York Liberty. So that's where Sabrina Ionescu is at. That's, yeah, it is interesting. And you've got a you know leading scorer to match up there. That would that's be interesting. exactly what they need. Yeah. Also, I guess, question mark on whether Candace Parker and or Diana Taurasi will retire. We talked about season of retirements. I don't think Candace Parker will. Taurasi could. Yeah. But I doubt it. You also, the league has indicated they'd like to expand with another team before the end of the calendar year. Although it probably wouldn't, they wouldn't play next year. They'd probably have 2024 would be their first season at yeah, the earliest. Yeah, I heard like 24, 25, maybe something in there. So. Yep. And you've got cities like Philadelphia or San Francisco reportedly in the mix for that. Interesting. And then obviously you got Brittany Griner's situation still being detained in Russia. And so we'll see which, what happens there. But those are probably some of the big off-season headlines to watch where we're going to get some news. Yes. All right, let's move right. on. Baseball? MLB. Yeah. yeah, so obviously, so Pujols is at 698 now, and Judge is at 60. So Pujols just two away from 700. Judge is just one away from Maris's record of, of 61, but he's tied Babe Ruth. But just real quick, since we haven't done, I don't think we've touched a lot on their cards, but, well, we did touch, we just talked about Judge, but let's talk about Pujols. So Pujols has actually seen a little bit of an, every, not nearly as dramatic as Judge, but definitely a little bit of an uptick. Last three months, his card liner index is up about 7%. Uh, but again, if you go look at a, at a few of those cards, so that that SP Authentic Chirography or whatever you say that, um, that one is up. You know, we just talked about that being a record sale. Well, that was a 75% increase uh, from the last sale. There's another, the 2001 SP Authentic called the Future Watch. That's a, I like that one. I think that's a cool looking card too. It's serial number to 1250. And that one, although in a PSA 10, it's expensive at around probably five, 6,000. In a PSA 9, a little more affordable. Last sale was 2,400 on that one. But that was up about 10% over the last, what, three months, give or take. So you've definitely seen a little bit of a move higher in pool stuff. Not quite as dramatic as Judge. But, and I think personally, I actually, I probably wouldn't chase pool stuff here the same way I wouldn't chase Judge, but I would feel better just given that he hasn't seen the big spike that Judge has seen. I'd probably feel more comfortable buying pool stuff here at these prices right. if you want to hold them for the long term and just have them in your collection. I think there's probably a little less downside risk, I would think, than potentially with Aaron Judge's stuff. But, and then, real quick, let's talk about Otani and the MVP race. 
because we we uh, that was a big debate. I can't remember if we talked. Did we talk about that last time? Maybe no. we did. We, I did. I don't think we did. I did post some stuff on our social media about some of the stats uh, that that each of those players was doing, and I also did a poll and asked our our followers who they thought should win. And for a while, it was neck and neck between Judge and Otani. It was like 52-48. And then towards the end, it was I posted it for a day. Towards the end of it expiring, Judge took over. A bunch of votes came in for Judge. And so at the end of the day, our listeners and our followers on social media voted Aaron Judge 64% and Shohei Otani 36% to be MVP. Probably pretty consistent with how it's actually going to go. But here's, here's the interesting thing. So you see the stat out there about... People will post like Judge not only going for the AL home run record, and who knows, maybe could he go for the single season record for Barry Bonds? I mean, there's still several. If he gets on a hot streak, I mean, it's a, it's be far fetched. He's got what 13 home runs to get, um, 73 is that record. But but you know, get on a hot stretch, and and so who knows or streak I should say. But he's also right now chasing the triple crown, yeah, which would be huge. Saw that. And you look at him, he's, you know, and you've seen this stat kind of post on social media. He's first in batting average, first in home runs, first in RBIs, first in runs scored, first in slugging percentage, first in on base percentage. Obviously, if you're first in slugging and on base, you're going to be. So this one's redundant. I see this post out there, and he's first in OPS. Well, that's redundant. OPS is just on base plus slugging. So if you're first in those two, you're going to be first in OPS. So it's a little redundant, but nonetheless. Um, and then he's also first in total bases, which kind of makes sense, too, if you're going to have as many home runs as he has. And he's first in war, the stat war, which is, is uh, wins above replacement. So you see that, right? But what about uh, Otani? And, and so it's interesting when you look at Otani and all these same stats. So here's where, here's where Otani uh, shakes out on this. So in batting average... He's in the top 25. He's 23rd. Yeah, so quite a bit behind. He he is he doesn't hit for quite the average that Judge does, and some of the other players in the league. But still, top 25, right? Home runs. He's top five. He's fourth in home runs. RBIs. He's seventh. Runs scored. He's ninth. So top 10 in both of those. Slugging percentage. He's third. Uh, on base percentage. 14th. So OPS. He's fourth which is on base plus slugging, fourth, the judge is first. Um, Then if you look at some of the other stats like doubles, he's 24th in doubles, judge is 28th. In triples, Otani is fourth in the league in triples. Judge, he doesn't rank, he hasn't hit a triple. Uh, Total bases, he's fifth, to judge is first. Stolen bases, he's 29th, to judge judge is 18th in stolen bases. So there you go, so there he is in batting, right? So in, in all the major batting categories, um, you know, Otani ranks top five, top 10, you know, top 20, you know, pretty high on the list, right? But then you get to pitching. Obviously, Judge doesn't pitch, so he doesn't rank on any of these. Well, here's where Otani ranks in all the pitching. In wins, he's top five, he's fifth. ERA, he's top five, fifth. Strikeouts, top five, he's fourth there. And in whip, which is walks and hits per innings pitched, he's top 10, he's seventh. And then in war, he's second, only behind uh, Judge. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I, I think I posted on our social media that, look, I don't think you'd go wrong either way. Like, if they gave Judge the MVP, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. If they gave Otani the MVP, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like where people in the hobby are is almost more oriented Judge. Like, I feel like people would be really upset if Otani didn't get it and Judge did. 
but I feel like it's 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 fifty fifty. It looks like a fifty fifty to me. I mean, if you look at this list, you just see like judge first, judge first, judge first, judge first, like over and over again. All these yeah hitting categories. That's right. Is uh, yeah. But then I think what's impressive is when you look at Otani, like how many players? Obviously, no one, right? But but to do it to 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 go both ways to pitch and hit, but not just to do you know do it for kind of and be average but to be top five like all of his pitching stats for the most part except for whip he's top 10 at seventh right but his wins eras strikeouts everything he's top five in pitching and you're talking about that's going up against guys like verlander right and well scherzer's in the nl but i mean there's a bunch of stud pitchers he's top five and then you go okay what's he doing in batting well he's top five in home runs he's top five in slugging percentage he's top five in on base plus slugging top five in triples you know top 10 in rbis top 10 in runs scored like it's great he's top 10 top five in like yeah. every category on both sides pitching and hitting it's nuts yeah it's, it's absolutely it's crazy. a toss-up I, I either way it could go either way and i don't think baseball can go wrong yeah i do think the one thing that everyone points to as well, you know, the Yankees and going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Judge not going to be, or excuse me, Otani and the Angels not going to be in the playoffs. However, I will throw this stat out because I did post this on social media because I thought it was interesting because I heard a lot of people talking about, man, Judge just really carried the Yankees down the stretch and really carried that team into the playoffs. But I went and did the math. Now, this was as a few days ago, so this has to be updated over the last couple days for the games. But as of a couple days ago, since the All-Star break, the Angels actually have a better record than the Yankees. The Angels are 26 wins and 30 losses. The Yankees are 24 wins and 31 losses. So the Angels actually have a better record since the All-Star break. And if you follow baseball, you know that's that's true you know, anyway because the Yankees have been in a major slump in the second half of the year and have not been doing as well. And so, you know, that argument about Judge carrying him down the stretch doesn't really hold a lot of weight to me when you well, look at... he's keeping him above this slump, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But anyway, but look, that's not to say, look, if Judge gets it, I'm happy for him and he deserves it with the yeah, season he's I mean, put together. Yeah, I mean, this is like a toss-up. But, but I, same thing I think with Otani. If he gets it, I'm happy for him. And, and the other thing Otani, you know, you got to say about him is he's having a... In, in, in most... It, almost any way you look at it, he's having a better season than he had last year, and he was the MVP last year. Now, Judge wasn't didn't have the season he had last year, so yeah. there you go. He's got a little more competition. But although Vlad... The hardest had, thing about winning anything is the other guy. Yeah. Going to be fun to see what happens with that. Uh, all right, that's probably it. Now, one, one other quick note. Just give our Dodgers a little bit of love, our beloved Dodgers. Homer alert, Dodger fan here. But the Dodgers won their 100th game last weekend. It, uh, they became the fastest team to get to 100 wins since the Seattle Mariners did it back in, uh, where was it, 2000? Was it 2001? Yeah, it was 2001. That was Ichiro's rookie season. Mm-hmm. And they that season the Mariners tied the all-time baseball MLB record for 116 wins. So Dodgers have a real shot to potentially tie or beat the all-time record. Yeah. Now history in terms of how how have those teams done? It's about 50-50. So the Mariners when they did it, they did not go on to win the World Series. But when you go yeah. look at some. Ow. What's that? It's baseball, huh? Well, because once you get it's to the baseball. playoffs, it's a whole different, you it's know. It's baseball. Yeah. 
So they lost in, what did they lose? They lost in the ALCS, so the, the championship series. The Cubs back in 1906 also won 116 games. That's who Seattle tied. They lost in the World Series. The, who else? Let's see. The Yankees had a 114 win uh, season in 1998. They won the World Series. Uh, the Cleveland Indians in 54 had 111 wins. They lost the World Series. The Yankees in 27 had 110 wins and won the World Series. So I could keep going. Pittsburgh had a good season in there. They won. Uh, Philadelphia Athletics lost the World Series back in 31. So it's about 50-50 for the teams that, that you know, have the, what, 100, you know, in the 110-plus or 100, you know, to 110-plus win record mark, about 50-50 of them actually won the World Series. Hmm. All right. So let's talk a little NBA before we get to the NFL. All right. Because we're getting, we're not too far away. We're what, maybe forty days, forty-five days, something, something like that, like from that. the start we're of the season. Some media days going on right now. Yeah. No, we're not for. We're like way closer than that was today. It's uh, the twenty-third, September twenty-third. Thirty days ish. Yeah, probably about a month out, give or take. Uh, some early injuries: uh, Lonzo Ball, Robert Williams the third. SGA. What, what was the SGA injury? Was that major or was that like minor? So he's missing. Um, he had a knee injury. Looks like they're calling it a grade two MCL sprain. He's okay. going to miss the start of training camp. Oh, that's it. All right. So another minor one. So Well, but it's a knee injury. Knee injuries are always. But like grade two sprain. If he's just missing training camp, I mean, he's. Yeah, hopefully. I'm that's, just talking that's in terms of how long they're going to be out is what I'm thinking. Well, hopefully I mean, it could be it, it could be nagging, but you know, we'll see. What did you think about the trade? There was a trade with uh, Pistons and Jazz. I mean, how Jazz you, just using Jazz just using their trade pieces again. Yeah. Um, Bojan Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Um, not actually not related to Bogdan Bogdanovich, <laughs> um, which is interesting. Apparently, Bogdanovich is like a very like common name uh, in their country. I don't know where they're from. But it's like Smith, hmm. like in their country, yeah. like something like comparable to that. Interesting. Um, which I like learned last season. I thought they were related before that. I mean, it's just kind of like a minor role player going to the Pistons. I, I think the Pistons are like one team that actually like kind of hit the draft pretty well, and like they actually have a shot to like build a team through the draft. Yeah. From what they've done, so bringing in like a vet like Bogdanovich is like pretty good and pretty good shooter. Yeah. Um, really high set point you can catch and shoot like really really high so not like a huge huge trade but definitely one of note for sure um, so a few big questions i think coming into the nba season to be answered then and storylines to watch one big one i think is the nuggets because it, it i think a lot rides on what happens with jamal murray and michael porter Dude, jr i'm looking at the west i was thinking about this the other day i'm looking at the west i seriously cannot give you like a top three right now there's like too many. Like I mean, it's kind of the same in the East, but like I was really thinking with all these players back because I was like, oh, like you know, Clippers for sure. Like and then probably they got Kawhi, probably Golden back. State, and like. But then you have Denver coming back with their players. You have where's Dallas in the mix with that? You have um, the Suns, who, I mean, they have basically the same team. Um, I'm not sure how they're gonna kind of start with chemistry, but like I feel like. They're all professionals, so they should be in there too. Yep. I'm trying to think, like, who else 
like the Pelicans are going to be good. I don't think they'd be oh, like yeah. a top three, but they'd be pretty good. Um, I feel like there's probably going to be a little bit of hype on Zion coming in this year because yeah. the Pelicans oh, are going to be good. Memphis, Memphis, that's the other yeah. one. Because like the top, like the top three from this year was like what Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis, and then you have Nuggets and the Clippers, who I think are also on that level. So like, well, you're going to have like the top six could all potentially get the one seed. Like they're all good enough to do that, and I was thinking about that. Like I've literally no idea who would be top three. Yeah. Once the playoffs start, like a six seed in the West next year could very well come out of the West, depending on what happens. Yeah. And I'm wondering like where Dallas fits into that, especially because I always wonder that at the start of the season, and then every time they get a little bit, a little bit higher seed, a little bit higher seed. I'm not sure if they can do it. So I don't know. We'll see. But, well. From a card perspective, I'm really kind of interested with Denver because Michael Porter Jr.'s cards have really come down in value. Obviously, he's been dealing with some back injuries. Had, what, three surgeries now, missed a lot of time most of last season. But he's supposedly looking good coming back, and he's a stud. And obviously, they got the Joker, the MVP, from, what, two years in a row? Mm -hmm. And then you got Jamal Murray likely coming back from a knee injury himself from a card perspective michael porter jr could be interesting i'm i i'm hesitant i have not bought any of his stuff i'm hesitant to do it because it is high risk but the nuggets are an inch if those three they have those three stay healthy i mean like they finished six without those guys and they didn't really have that much depth honestly yeah like they survived off of Jokic and like spurts from like monte morris sometimes like that was it yeah like and then so, the other, and obviously you mentioned Clippers because like, they're going to get Kawhi well, back. And first, in years past, they've finished like third with all these guys, and that was like yeah. two, three years ago before Jokic kind of got a lot better. So exactly. So then the other question I've got here is, uh, what about Cleveland? Let's go to the East. A couple teams or a couple questions. I think one is Cleveland. Dude, I think people are overreacting to Cleveland so much. I've seen so much like. Do you mean overacting like they think they're going to be better than they Yeah, like people are like, oh my gosh, like Cleveland is like so unfair. Like, no, it's not. Shut up. Like, what are you talking about? They have like two, like they got like maybe three all-stars. So that's the question. Maybe, Will those off-season like, moves pay off for them? Are they like, going to be a going to be, they're, they're going to be really good, but like they're not like, or <laughs> he's like thinking they're like the best team in the league for some reason. <laughs> it's like, okay, like relax. Like, yeah. Darius Garland got his first all-star bid last season, like, chill. Like, yeah. they're going to be really good, but, like, I don't Pump know how good they're going to be. Pump the brakes a little like, bit. Like, maybe, so then, like, top three is, like, a like a very, like, I'm not sure if they get there or not. But it's, like, I feel like that's kind of their ceiling is, well, like, so, a top three. So then let's talk, which would be good. Let's talk about Brooklyn then because, obviously, now they get Simmons. And that's going to be interesting. You got KD still there, Kyrie still there. But what they didn't have last year was the benefit of Ben Simmons. Yes. So that's going to be a storyline to watch. I'll actually have some defense. Yeah. Interesting uh, point guard play. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ben Simmons is always weird because he's that big, big point guard, but he can't really shoot. I mean, you always always see him working on it in the offseason, but it never really translates. I don't think it matters that much. I think in Brooklyn he's not really going to be asked to do that as much. I think it can be more him. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see. They're going to have a lot of size actually now because I think didn't they bring back um, didn't they bring back Drummond too or, or am I wrong about that? 
I don't remember. Well, either way, they got a lot more size than they had before. Um, a lot better defense was just kind of their issue. So yeah, definitely interesting. Well, and I think you know what's interesting there to me, like all of a sudden the love for Kevin Durant has just gone polar opposite now, turned to like hate for Kevin Durant. Apparently, <laughs> maybe that's a strong word, but people just think. But he's just people he, just think. He's remember, petty. he went from when he won the championship with the Warriors and then went to the Olympics and the Team USA won the Olympics and he cared. he was like the greatest basketball player Dude. in all time in the world people change their minds now so all of a sudden he's like the worst and i'm looking at his card values so i'm looking at as an example his, his psa 10 his 2007 tops chrome rookie card it's psa 10 uh, pop counts about a thousand but to give you an idea of how what i'm talking about here a year ago that card was selling for five thousand dollars and today that card actually i take that back that card was selling for even more than five thousand dollars and today that card is selling for twelve hundred dollars so it's down about eighty percent it might not have had to do with what happened over the summer though it's probably just the nets performance honestly maybe but but it's even down on a two-year basis it's still down and uh, anyway, so there's just a lot of uh, pessimism and negativity towards Durant. So he could be an I, interesting, from a there, card there value perspective, he could be an is. interesting one. There literally always is. People flip the switch so quick on Kevin Durant because of his personality. Yep. Like he doesn't, he just doesn't care. But like, gotta respect the guy. He's really good. <laughs> like, yeah. I like him as a person too. I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. Well, and then, I think he rubs a lot of people the wrong way sometimes. And Ben Simmons is but, another one. So listen to this. So his 2016 uh, Donruss optic. Right and a PSA 10. Just I'm just using the base here. So pop count right now is just shy of 1800. It's a little high on the pop count, but not you know not the 10 or 20 thousand we see with some of the Johns, Zions, and those. Because um, remember this is 2016, so it's before the the really big increases in production happened. But that card was uh, a couple year a year or two ago was you know selling for between 100 and 200 dollars. You can now get that card today for 30 bucks. So. <laughs> Could that, that could be interesting? I'm just saying some of these, you know, some of these sort of. And, I, and let me pull up Zion because that's another one where I feel like things got pretty negative. Um, and fair enough. His which yeah, and and his stuff came down a lot. So let's go ahead. I'll just well, let's just pull up his. Um, I could pull up his optic as well, but let's use his prism. Let's just do that. So like his prism silver, in a PSA ten. It's still spendy. Because the last sale was four thousand, or excuse me, one thousand four hundred and eighty dollars, but it's been sitting right about there. It's been sitting around, let's call it a, a thousand to fifteen hundred, give or take, for really the last probably six months. But if you go back a couple of years, that card—that's another one that was over five thousand dollars. Now, that one, the pop count, and this is the silver, right? Did I mention that on the Panini Prism, um, his rookie? But the pop count on that one is a little over 1,500. So not the base where he's probably got 20,000 of them or whatever, um, but there's about 1,500. So again, not it's a, it's a big pop count, but not as big as, as some of the other cards. But anyway, so there are, there are, I'm just saying, there are just some names. It's really interesting. You know, Michael Porter Jr., I don't have him up. I could talk about him. His card values have come down as well. So you got some of these really good players who might be poised to have some pr a pretty good season? Mm -hmm. Whose card values are down pretty significantly. Yeah. I, I look, I mean, you, not making any recommendations to buy or you know sell or any of this stuff, but I'm just pointing out the information here. It, it's kind of interesting. Everyone needs to kind of do to each his own. So you collect what you want. 
but you know these these and I'm not I haven't gone out and bought any of these, um, but they they do look kind of interesting to me, and I do I have a couple I have a few Zion cards and I've got a few Ben Simmons cards. I don't have any Michael Porter Jr. cards, but I'm I, I'm I don't know I I feel like there's a potential uptick there. Well, what do you think about so then the last one before we go to the NFL is Celtics. What do you think about Boston? They lose their coach. How, what impact is that going to have? Plus Robert Williams III injury. News. Um. I don't think the Robert Williams thing is going to matter that much. He'll be back soon enough. I It's hard to say. I feel like because it's only a one-year suspension and they plan on bringing him back, I think, is, is the plan. So so I think that um, they're probably going to try and – I mean, they're obviously going to keep the same, like, system and everything because they're just bringing in, you know, the interim head coach is just one of the assistants or maybe it was the associate, whatever it is. But what kind of impact do you think that has on the team? And their, their play. Uh, we're gonna have to wait and see because the Celtics have always been a roller coaster <laughs> for like the past four years. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say. I feel like they're gonna be fine. I don't really think. I think they've kind of figured it out. I think Ime Udoka. It is a weird time because last last season was his first season as a coach, and it it took him like half the season to kind of figure things out, especially with. Uh, Ime kind of coming in and trying to get them to play a little bit differently, a little bit better. Um, they didn't really get the hang of that until about halfway through the season. But they know how to play like that now. They don't really need necessarily need him to like, you know, yeah. coach them up on that now because the, the system's going to be the same even with like the interim head coach. So I don't know. It should be interesting, but I feel like they're going to be fine. Yeah. I, they'll still be pretty. Like I think they'll still be really good next season. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's touch on some NFL stuff here, and then we'll wrap up the show. But there a lot of different NFL news, I guess, touch on. First of all, let's talk about Trey Lance and the injury to him. Hated to see that. That's tough. That is really tough. And I, I will say this, too. There was some kind of some, some talk on social media this past week or so with Trey Lance because there were a lot of guys that were posting and people that were posting – almost sort of like happy and like haha you know told you so and whatever and I felt like that's just that's wrong first of all people should not do that I mean it's you know first of all this poor kid suffers a terrible injury and secondly like look people people can invest their money and and collect things they want to collect and I don't there's no reason to you know be happy about someone else's loss in that regard. So oh, yeah, anyway. I told y'all he would get injured. Yeah, I totally predicted that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's just Give silly. Me a break, dude. But maybe you thought maybe you thought he was a little like not durable, but give, give me a break. Yeah, like, but there is there is a, there is a lesson though to learn here, and because you do you do take risk, right? When if you pay, and I don't know, I don't think his his stuff. I'm not sure how pricey some of his stuff was. I'm looking at his card ladder index right now. Let's pull up maybe, you know, I don't know. Like let's we could look at his prism silver, uh, PSA ten. So it was, you know, it was a little pricey. It was going for over a thousand dollars, fourteen hundred dollars, um, something like that, give or take. Between let's say, let's say twelve hundred to sixteen hundred dollars was where that was selling, and now after the injury, the last sale price was $400. So it came down a lot. So there is a little bit of a lesson there that just if you are going to, you know, you have to be careful you're, if you're going to pay up for a prospect, kind of a, a young up and coming player. And they, you know, you got to be careful with your money because if they get injured, if you're thinking about it from an investment, if you're thinking about it from a collectible standpoint, then, you know, you do what you want. But if you're thinking about it from an investment standpoint, be a little careful because 
here, here's an example of what can happen if a guy gets injured and, and the value goes down. Now, hopefully he'll be able to be back and, you know, that can recover some and, and he'll have a long and successful career. But it is something just to be mindful of, especially when we see it'd be different if the prices on some of these un, yet unproven prospects, right, they haven't proven themselves yet. It'd be different if the prices reflected that and they were lower, but they're not. The prices are extremely high especially in comparison to proven vets, right? If you go look at card values of like Peyton Manning or Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or you know all these quarterbacks that have been there, done that, Drew Brees, the values of those cards, some, in some cases, the value of these, these you know, prospect quarterbacks and players are much more expensive than those. And so you do have to be aware that is a risk, but very unfortunate um, that he got injured and so hope hope to see him come back but now Jimmy G's gonna get his chance to come back and and take yes, on sir yep and hey by the way don't look now but Jacksonville's in first place yeah, Jacksonville, in the AFC South Jacksonville's gonna win the division this season so Trevor Lawrence looking good let's go Jackson and hey though you know by the way don't look now too but Cincinnati is 0-2 to start the season yeah so isn't uh, Joe Burrow like lead the league in sack, like getting sacked already? <laughs> Probably. Like he I set a record or something. Did he? For, like, I didn't look that up. The past twenty years, he got like thirteen sacked. He got like sacked like thirteen times through two games or something ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, I haven't so looked again, that up. So uh, again, nothing new. But well, Buffalo and Kansas <laughs> City certainly looking like they're the class of the NFL right now. Miami starting out good. Big game this weekend between Miami and Buffalo. I'll go out on a limb here and just say I'm picking Buffalo, on that one. But we'll okay. see. Uh, the real test for Miami will, I think, be this week against Buffalo. Uh, Tennessee, our beloved Titans, although I'm a Broncos fan, but I can be a Tennessee fan as well, and they're off to not a great start at 0-2. But in fairness, they did have really to play rough. Buffalo one of Okay, those. but they got blown out by Buffalo. Yeah. yeah the, they've been the missed the missed field goal like for the 18th time to lose the game. To the Giants, yeah. And yep. then... So yeah, to a team they shouldn't lose to, and then getting blown out by the best team in the league. But they had some looking, injuries looking too. Looking good, right? Looking good. Did because did I think Taylor did he, Taylor Wong got injured? Did he come back? Uh, I didn't see. Yeah, if he came I don't back. know. We, they have had some injuries, but still on like, the offensive line. And then they had they had some big injuries. Lose, in, you can't lose by over thirty points. Yeah, true. And like, they had some big injuries on the defensive side of the ball. The Raiders are surprisingly off to an 0-2 start, but in fairness, I mean they have. It's been two very close losses to two very good teams. They lost the Chargers by I think five points, and then they lost to Arizona in literally the last seconds of the game by an unbelievable play. I, I watched that one, and uh, Hunter Renf Raiders were going down to the to, to score to try to to win the game. Hunter Renfro uh, caught a pass and just got hit. I mean it was just. It was one of those where just the timing of the hit and, and how he was positioned, I, I, to me, I think it would have been impossible for him to hold on to the football. But he fumbled, and then Arizona scooped it up, scored, yeah. and uh, end, of, end of ball game. But so Raiders have lost two close, heartbreaking games and start off their season at 0-2, which is a little bit surprising. And then in the NFC, the East is kind of surprising. The Giants or 2-0. Oh. It's two games. Still don't react. I yeah. don't think it's like a surprise. Like and, a big and, surprise. In, and the, of course, the Eagles are 2-0 oh as well. That's not necessarily yeah, let's a Let's go surprise. Giants. 
I think the Giants. Go New York. <laughs> see, I think the Giants are more of a pretender, no, and I think I, the Eagles nope, are more of a contender. No, Giants are a contender, bro. Although Saquon Barkley has been playing well. Yeah. He's back a little bit if he can stay healthy. Tampa Bay's defense looking really solid. But their offense, I'm telling you, I just, I, I'm telling you. I, setting aside everything, I just think Tom Brady's going to have a down year. Defense think he wins stayed. games, and they're they're often they're two and zero despite they're in the bottom half of the league. They have enough for their offensive production. Look, if their defense is good enough, they have enough offense where they can be a very defensive team and like beat everybody. Yep, like that's they true. have they have enough offense with Tom Brady. That's true. So they do, even if offensive production's down, like it's enough. Yeah. Carolina not getting the start they wanted with Mayfield as the quarterback. They're 0-2, and 0-2 with losses to Cleveland and the Giants. Probably not, you know, the way they would have liked that season start. And then the NFC West, man, that's a competitive division when you start to look at it. San Francisco, now obviously they're going to have Jimmy G at quarterback. you got the Rams, you got Arizona, you got Seattle. All the teams are 1-1. They're all tied at 1-1. Uh, so, anyway, that's going to be an interesting watch. Now, a couple of quarterbacks. So, we already talked about Josh Allen, but here's an unbelievable stat with Josh Allen. He has a better than 75% completion rate so yeah, far I this saw season. That. Absolutely I don't know what crazy. the averages are. I feel like that was like 60, 65%. Okay. Maybe. Because I, I kind of saw that and I just completely ignorant to what the averages have yeah. been. And I was like, 75% for like top five quarterback. I was like, like I guess I like I, I'm hearing that that's like made like that's like a big deal, but I was like I felt like seventy. If I was to guess what the average would be for like a really good quarterback, I'd probably guess around like 70 percent. Yeah, so I think the like if I look at um, but evidently I'm wrong. So well, so if I look at all time leaders in the NFL for completion percentages, actually interestingly enough, according to this. Deshaun Watson is uh, at the top. That maybe this is just current players. I don't know. But there's Drew Brees, uh, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray. Yeah. So anyway, th- this could just be um, current players. I don't know. But nonetheless, when you look at this list, it's in that mid 60% range. Okay. So 75% better than 75 is a heck of a number. And also, don't look now. But remember, I mentioned this to you. I said, look, I wouldn't go on a limb necessarily. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to draft him on my fantasy team. No, but Carson stop Wentz, this. stop this. Is second in stop, passing yards stop. in the NFL behind Tua. Stop this. It's two games. Has a quarterback stop. rating over 100. Good better Lord. than 65% completion rate with seven touchdowns and three interceptions. What do you got against Carson Wentz? Stop overreacting. Good Lord. I don't know. How far ahead is he? He cannot be that far ahead. Like he's got a lot of he's got a lot of he got a lot of guys to pass to. Yeah. Who does he play for right now again? Washington. Washington? Yeah. Commanders. They, they're not gonna run the ball that much, are they? Yeah, I mean But yeah, they pro- they yeah, they probably definitely probably pass more than they, they run for sure. I haven't looked at those stats to see what their split is between that. But nonetheless, I mean look, he's like I said, second in passing yards, better than hundred quarterback rating. <laughs> He's got some good numbers out of the gate. And let's talk Chargers. Chargers are saying Herbert's questionable for this weekend. I got to say, I got to be honest with you. Look, I just as a, as, a, as a Herbert fan and as someone, even though I'm a Broncos fan, I'm not a Chargers fan, I'm a Herbert fan. And I just also would like to see Herbert have a long career. If I'm a Chargers fan, you do not play Herbert this week. I, I just don't see it. He, they, they said he hasn't really practiced all week. Certainly hasn't been taking, doing a lot of throwing, or at least where when the media has been present to see it. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's way too soon. He takes another shot in his midsection. 
mean, you could lose him for several games or worse, lose him for the season. That kid is your future. I just don't see you take the chance. I think you've got to sit him for a week, let him rest, let him heal up, get better, then put a big old flak jacket on him, you know, for that for week four. Yeah, I couldn't see them playing him. Are they really thinking of playing him? Yeah, they're talking about him being questionable, saying he could be like a game-time decision depending on how he feels. I just think that's a mistake. I think it's a huge mistake. It's one of those things. Now, I'm sure they'll put a big old flak jacket on him and, you know, he'll be protected in that way. But, man, if, if his, you know, you take one shot and that could be problematic, lose him for many more games. I think I I'd rather have him miss a... one game and try to get healed up. Now, I realize... He, he gonna need a, who are they playing? So they play. So the, well, they, play the, okay. they play the first place. They play the best team in the NFL. The first place Jacksonville Jaguars. They play Jaguars. the best team in the NFL. Okay, yeah. I, he's gonna need a big. He's gonna need a big old jacket. Good lord. I wouldn't play him against Jacksonville. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But all right. Well, that's enough. We've 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 gone too long. And they should. We're just, if they don't play him, and Jacksonville wins. They could win. Jacksonville could. Look, Jacksonville is not as bad as people think. They could win I'm if they don't you. play Herbert. Remember, remember Jacksonville. Let's, let's go, dude. Jacksonville's going to win the Super Bowl this year. Remember, they got a new coach, and they got talent on that team. Robinson's a good back. ETN's a good back. Lawrence, you know, he's developing. They got some good receivers. I don't know. I don't follow their defense as much. I'm not sure how great their defense is or not. Could be great. Maybe not. I don't know. But they do have new coaching staff there. So it better be good. They need to scare off Herbert. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. That's let's we've done enough rambling on, on the NFL. Let's move on. Should that be the show? That's the yeah, show. Yeah, we don't have anything else. So. No, we don't have anything else. All right, that's the show for today. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Brandon, go ahead and take us out. All right, yeah, uh, thank you to all of our listeners again. We appreciate you spending some of your time with us. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you have ideas for topics for a future show or questions that you'd like us to answer, don't hesitate to reach us out or sorry, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, we'll do our best to incorporate it into the show. We do love hearing from our listeners, and we we'll use that feedback to bring you more of the content that you enjoy the most. So let us know your thoughts. Also, check us out on social media. Follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yeah, please tell your family and friends about us, like I always like to say. Encourage them to listen to the show. Please also follow us on your podcast outlet as well. We love it when you do that. And that is a wrap for show number 51. Thanks again, everyone, and we will see you all next Friday, same time, same place here on the 615 Collector.